Grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. Text for our meditation this evening, the Old Testament reading, Jeremiah 23, 16 to 29, especially these words from verse 20. The anger of the Lord will not turn back until he has executed and accomplished the intents of his heart. In the latter days, you will understand it clearly. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, was several years ago, had a strange phone call from a young lady here in town, not a member of our congregation. She wanted to visit with the pastor about a very pressing spiritual matter. So I met with her and she began to tell me the story of how she was a Christian and she strongly desired to marry a Christian, to have a Christian husband and a Christian family. And recently she had met someone and he was pretty special, or at least she thought this relationship might blossom and grow. The problem was, he was moving out of state. He had a job out of state. He was moving. And so now her spiritual dilemma, should she stay here and take her chance on the long distance relationship? Should she move to the same state in the same town and maybe see what would happen? What was God's will for her? What did God want her to do? What was the thing that God had in mind for her? She wanted me to tell her what to do. She made it no secret that she had been to several other pastors in town asking the same question. Now, here was the dilemma for the pastor. It was clearly obvious by the way she told the story that she wanted to move and chase this guy. Should I tell her what she wanted to hear and make her happy? Maybe even so happy she'd make out a big check, a donation to the church? Should I warn her about what people might think if she moved and chased after this guy, she might get the reputation for being a loose woman? Or should I tell her the truth? The truth that as a Christian, she was free. She was free to stay, she was free to go. There is no chapter and verse that says, you should do this, you should not do that. She was free absolutely free in the gospel. Well, that's what I told her. And she was not happy. She did not want to be free. She did not want to be free in the gospel of Jesus Christ. She wanted every jot and tittle laid out before her. Don't we all? Wouldn't it be nice if, if life was laid out that nice and neat? But it isn't. 
And in the freedom of the gospel, we have many, many decisions, choices that we get to make. Thanks be to God. We are free in the gospel. Young lady left. She moved. And I never saw her again. My friends, God's word for tonight from Jeremiah 23 talks about the temptation that is before every Christian and the temptation that is before every Christian preacher. The temptation for the Christian is to find a place where the preacher, the teacher, the church tells you exactly what you want to hear. Whether it's the truth or not, tells you exactly what you want to hear to make you happy, to fill you with joy. The temptation for the preacher is to do it. To tell people what their itching ears want to hear. To tell them, peace, peace, where there is no peace. To tell them that their sin is no big deal. That their life, their life choices are no big deal. To tell them what they want to hear, to keep the peace, to keep the pews full, the collection plates overflowing. To be liked. My friends, at the time when Jeremiah penned these words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the vast majority of the prophets, the vast majority of the preachers, the vast majority of the pastors had succumbed to this temptation. So much so that the people couldn't stand it when a true prophet of God would stand up and speak the word of God. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you, filling you with vain hopes. My friends, it doesn't matter. If you want to find a preacher, whether in the church or in politics or in science or in sports, if you want to find a preacher who will tell you what you want to hear and fill you with vain hopes, you don't have to look very hard. They're everywhere. In fact, just like Jeremiah says, you don't even have to look for them. They come running after you. God didn't send them, but they keep going anyway. Filling you with vain hopes on how to be happy. Vain hopes on how to be safe. Vain hopes on salvation and eternal life. My friends, God's word is clear. Behold the storm of the Lord. Ooh, we don't like those passages, do we? The storms are brewing. Just like at the end of the first Terminator movie, the storms are brewing. 
the clouds are rolling in. And it's okay if it storms over there or if it storms over there. But God's Word says the storm is right here. The storm is going to crash down on me, on you. Wrath has gone forth, a whirling tempest. It will burst upon the head of the wicked. Wow. There is no one righteous. No, not one. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all like sheep have gone astray. These words of God are words for us, for you, for me, for all people, for all time. God's word is clear. The storm is coming. My friends, God has laid out for us his holy and divine law. It's not that the law is bad and the gospel is good. We all fall into that temptation. And it is certainly not that the Old Testament is law and the New Testament is gospel. That is a very, very, very foolish understanding. God loves us. And because he loves us, he has given us his holy law. His holy law summed up by Jesus saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. The specifics are in the Ten Commandments, all summed up by Luther in his explanation to the first commandment. We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. We are masters at creating false gods. We are masters at building idols. Doesn't matter what your idol is. It can be anything, any person, any place, anything. It all holds the potential of being a false idol. And God loves us the most when he breaks our false idols. Oh, it hurts. It's tough love. And that's the kind of love that God has for us. God's anger is kindled when we don't take his word seriously. When we pit one commandment against another. When we pit one part of God's law or word against another. When we say that God's word applies to you, but not to you. My friends, God is not happy with that. He is not pleased with our self-justification. Yes, 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 I know I'm a sinner, but he's a lot worse. Yes, yes, I know I'm a sinner, but do you know what she did? My friends, God is not amused. God is angry at our sin. And furthermore, as this text highlights for us, God is even more angry because he holds the pastors, the preachers, the so-called prophets to a higher standard. 
When they tell people that their sin is not sin, woe to them. When they tell them something is a sin that God's word has left open and free, woe to them. Pastors who just want to make people happy and don't want to take a stand on the word of God kindle God's anger a hundredfold. My friends, the anger of the Lord is real. The wrath of God is kindled. Which brings us to verse 20 in our text. The anger of the Lord will not turn back until, you hear that word? Until. Did you think that the entire gospel could be summed up in one word? Until. The anger of the Lord will not turn back until. He has executed and accomplished the intents of his heart. My friends, God's anger is real. And anybody who tells you it's not real is a liar, is a false prophet. The anger of God rightly kindled for our sin, mine, yours, the sin of the world, is real until he has executed and accomplished the intents of his heart. What is the intent of God's heart? How is God's will accomplished? Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. All the punishment that you have kindled, that I have kindled, and we keep on stoking the fire. All the punishment for sin, all sin, for all people, for all time, all of God's wrath, all of God's anger has been poured out on Jesus. The anger of the Lord is real. Until, until, until he has executed it. He executed his own son. That's how great the love of God is for you. That's how seriously God takes sin and how seriously God takes his love for you. It is accomplished in the attempt, intents of his heart. Accomplished, completed, you might say, it is finished. My friends, God's call for us tonight is to put aside all the little silly things that get in the way of God's word. To put aside the, the differences that so often divide us. To put aside our love for self, no matter how we masquerade it. To put aside our love for self, to humble ourselves before the word of God. To realize, as we confessed just a few moments ago, I, a poor, miserable sinner, Confess unto thee all my sins and iniquities.
with which I have ever offended thee, and justly deserved thy temporal, that's right now, when we assume room temperature, temporal and eternal punishment. We all said those words, didn't we? I hope and pray we meant it. Because God, in His love, in His divine justice, has good news for you. Until happened on Good Friday. Until was poured out to you in the waters of holy baptism. Until is spoken into your ears every time you hear the sweet absolution. Until is put into your mouth to eat and drink and pumping in your veins every time you eat and drink Christ's body and blood. The Lord has accomplished the intents of his heart. He has sent Jesus for you. Depart in peace. God's anger is stilled. Your sins are forgiven. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts, our minds, our lives, in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.